Our word for today comes from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, and I'm going to be reading uh, from the Common English Bible. And this is Matthew chapter 13 from verse 1 to verse 9. That day Jesus went out of the house and sat down beside the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he climbed into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd was standing at the shore. He said many things to them in parables. A farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell on the path and birds came down and ate it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't so deep. But when the sun came out, it scorched the plants and they dried up because they had no roots. Other seed fell amongst the thorny plants. The thorny plants grew and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and bore fruit. In one case, a yield of 100 to 1. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. And in another case, a yield of 30 to 1. Everyone who has ears should pay attention. It carries on to verse 18 to 23. Consider then the parable of the farmer. Whenever people hear the word about the kingdom and don't understand it, the evil one comes and carries off what was planted in their hearts. This is the seed that was sown onto the path. As for the seed that was spread on the rocky ground, this refers to people who hear the word and immediately receive it joyfully. But because they have no roots, they last only for a little while. When they experience distress or abuse because of the word, they immediately fall away. As for the seed that was spread amongst the thorny plants, this refers, refers to those who hear the word. But the worries of life and the false appeal of wealth choke the word, and it bears no fruit. As for what was planted on the good soil, this refer refers to those who hear and understand, and bear fruit and produce. In one case, a yield of 100 to 1. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. And in another case, a yield of 30 to 1. Blessed be the word of the Lord, and may he grant us understanding. Good morning, St. Mark's. It's lovely to be with you. Uh, it's cold. I hope that you're not experiencing load shedding. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we've all seen more rain than what we've seen in the last couple of years. So God is good. But we also consider those who don't have adequate housing. And in these circumstances, they suffer. So it's, it's one of those mixed blessings. So let's talk about the parable of the sower. I just sometimes wonder why they subtitled uh, parts of the Bible. Because it really sort of sometimes throws us away from the real understanding of the parable. So if you take away the title, the, the parable of the sower, you would look at this and you would think of it in a little bit of a different way. So we hear about this farmer, okay, a farmer who obviously has to uh, produce crops out of the limited amount of seed that he has. And yet he goes around his fields and throws seeds in places where they should not grow. So if you were to retitle this parable, maybe it should be the parable of the foolish sower or the foolish farmer or the, the wasteful farmer, because ultimately 
It's all about return on investment. He's got a limited amount of seed and yet he is throwing it everywhere. So why on earth does Jesus tell us a story about that? The truth is that in today's age, it's all about return on investment. It's about good economics. What you've got to do is you've got to find the most fertile soil. You put your seed in the most fertile soil. You make sure that the environment that that soil is in is the most conductive to actually having some growth happen. Then you report on the results. And this farmer just goes out into his fields. He knows there's certain areas that nothing's going to grow. And yet he goes and he throws it. He throws it in those places. And it tells you a little bit about the farmer that Jesus is referring to. A farmer who with extravagance, who with wastefulness, who with incredible generosity, just scatters the seed. It doesn't deserve to go onto, onto ground that is not going to produce growth. Yet, that's exactly where the seed goes. And the interesting thing is, if we go to the story of Jesus, if we go to the ministry of Jesus, we see exactly that. Where we look at the soil, we go, ah, oh, there is a certain soil, certain people where the word is going to take root. And so we go to the pure, we go to the righteous, and we tell them the truth of Jesus. And in that setting, surely there should be growth. Surely there should be transformation and transition. They, these people should become Jesus followers after hearing the truth. Well, with the religious leaders, we know that there's no transformation. There is no change. And so he goes to where we believe is the most fertile soil and nothing changes. Yet Jesus goes into Samaria and sits with the scornful woman and offers her grace undeserved. And in that circumstance, there is growth. There is change. And so he plows the seed into this, this undeserved woman. And a whole village is saved. He then goes and he sits with a rich young man, a rich young man who surely could have funded the whole of Jesus' ministry. And he says to him, you know, in your circumstance, you need to give all that you have. And it says, the rich young man walked away forlorn, for he had much wealth. He was saddened, for he had much wealth. Surely that was a great place to sow the seed so that he might see results. Yet Jesus then throws the seed into a tax collector who was cheating the people. And Zacchaeus runs out of his home after eating with Jesus and he gives back everything that he had swindled and more. This was not the right place to sow the seed. Yet it is exactly there that we see results. And so we need to start to understand that we cannot see the ground as God sees the ground. And so often we try to invest our time and our energy into the places where we believe it's going to provide the greatest fruit. And we've got to be so careful about not giving into our economics, 
but rather into the economics of Jesus Christ, rather into the way that Jesus Christ sees the world. Now, I have a wonderful opportunity of working with students and one of the subjects that I teach them is finance. And so when I teach them that, I say, hey, there's a couple of instruments you can use in order to invest your money. If you put it in bank, you might get four or 5% every year. If you invest it in the right stocks, who knows, you know, if you are able to do that over a long term, you might be able to get 10% per annum. If you are really amazing with money and you are able to start your own business, maybe you can get 20% growth year on year. But when Jesus talks about if you invest in the kingdom of God, if you sow the seed in the right places, you will see growth of 3,000%, 6,000%, and 10,000%. Now, that's, that's not even the realms of of reality when you start to talk those figures but the truth is we are so besotted with the economics of this world that we totally forget that the economics of God's world and the kingdom economics is so much greater that one seed can lead to fruit that is 10,000 times greater than what we have invested and so maybe we need to take our eye off of this economy and start to truly invest into the economy of Jesus. We've got a lot that needs to change. And I think we look around us, we look into our communities, we look into society, we see the things that are happening at this moment, and often we go, oh my word, how are we ever going to survive this? How are we ever going to turn the tide? How are we ever going to make a difference? Because so much is wrong. Well, if you start to invest at odds of or gains of 3,000% and 6,000% and 10,000%, well, then it is possible. And you're not going to do that in this economy, but you're going to be able to do that in the economy of Jesus. Now, many times I've read this parable, and I think the first time I read this parable was probably when I had just come to my faith. I was probably 20 years old and I heard this and it was all about evangelism, sharing my faith with others. Now here I was, a 20 year old that barely knew the basics of Christianity. And I was told that I need to go and talk to strangers and I need to share with them the good news. And in my hands was the eternal destiny. I just needed to preach the good news to these uh, strange people that I'd never met and turn them to Jesus and that would be the greatest trophy that I ever could have. And here's a 20 year old with, again, no knowledge of the Bible and incredible problems with self-esteem. I move between extrovert and introvert. And so thinking about meeting strangers just to tell them about Jesus, that threw me completely. No, that's for people that have a special gift. Guys like Billy Graham. Those are the people where they need to be the evangelists. But the truth is, over the last 20 years of being a Christian, I've started to realize that evangelism isn't meeting strangers on the side of the road, isn't going door to door, isn't holding placards at the corner of the road saying the end is near, repent. What I've started to realize that evangelism is something very different to every person. 
God has given us incredible diversity. We have different gifts. We have different passions. We have different ways of operating. And wherever God has led you, that is where you serve. And when we serve those, we start to evangelize. And so I want to take the word evangelize away today. And I want to say, you're going to sow the seeds that God has given you. I remember one of the great evangelism moments was really sitting, watching someone who had just been begging at the church door. And he came down to the church steps and he sat there. And one of our congregation went and sat down next to him and ate lunch next to this homeless person. That is evangelism. I remember homeless meals where we served the homeless and they were treated with dignity and respect. They were treated as valued people that deserved good things. And that, that for that moment, the kingdom of heaven came onto earth. And that's evangelism. I've seen people that have gone to go and pray with a family before one of their loved ones was going off to have surgery. It's very simple, but it was life-altering for that family. I've heard of people who have sat with a family who have lost a loved one without saying anything, just sitting in silence with that family, sharing in their grief. That was evangelism. I've seen people that that give, you know, they're on a on a government pension and they're giving 30% of what they have earned through a government pension to feed their neighbors. That is some of the greatest evangelism. You don't need a stage. You don't need the gift of of being able to communicate to thousands of people. God has given us all something very different in order to bring his children home, to go to the lost and to take them back to the Father. What has God given you? What seeds are you able to sow into the world as it is today? All of us have been blessed by God with something. I am trying to resurrect my garden. Okay, so uh, we have a patch of mud outside and we've wanted to turn it into more of a lawn so that our kids can play on it. We've got a, a swing set and we've got a slide and we've got a little, um, you know, sort of play area, but it is pretty much just mud. So last year we decided, okay, we're going to try and plant some grass. So that's exactly what we did. Um, but the grass came from a farm in Durbanville. Now, the soil in Durbanville is clay. And that clay hardens in the summer. And so because it hardens, the, the grass can't move. It can't shoot. And so it's pretty much started to wither away and die. But what we figured out is that now we actually have time that we need to aerate it. So we need to take out our pitchfork and we need to actually break into it and we need to mix it up. We need to get uh, air underneath it, but we really need to break it down so that uh, the clay starts to um, mix with the sand underneath. Because Edgemead, we're very much part of the Cape Flats because we have the sandy soil. And so we need to break down the clay, the clay that doesn't allow any growth and so that the roots can't go deep. 
but now we need to break it down so that we can actually get some some depth we can get some uh, nutrients going down into the roots of this grass the one thing about this pandemic is that for so many people it has started to break them down where they felt that they could be reliant on themselves and dependent on themselves when they had life all sorted out when all the plans that they had you know, looked like it could go through to fruition through the things and the resources that they had. So many of us have realized that's impossible. And so when we were hard and reliant on ourselves, something has come out and broken us down. And that's the wonderful thing. Is that life is a way of humbling us. Life is a way of showing us that we do need something more than what we have on this earth. The soil is ready. The soil is ready for the seed that you have. And it's going to be different for every single one of us. The wonderful thing about this parable is that the seed needs to be sown in the places that don't deserve it. God sowed into my life someone who doesn't deserve his love and his grace and his compassion and his justice. He sowed into your life and I think if you look at your life, you probably also don't deserve what you have been given, the blessings and, and just the encounters with God. So what we have been shown through this parable is that it is part of our call to go to the places and to the people who don't deserve and to sow there. I want you to also know that we can sow in the places that we, that we don't go to. We need to go further. We need to go deeper. We got to go to the people that, we, we, that don't look like us. They don't think like us. They don't have the same opinions as us. And we need to go to the people who do look like us, who do have the same opinions. And we need to sow with them equally. All of us are undeserved of God's love. But God decided to sow anyway. And in so many of us, we have seen the returns of 3,000 and 6,000 and 10,000 because of the wonders of the economy of the kingdom and so often we look out onto other people and we say are they fertile ground for the seeds and if they don't look like they deserve it well then I think you should sow there we also need to look at our own lives we need to look at the soil of our own lives. Have we become self-reliant? Have we become dependent on ourselves? Do we believe that we have all the answers? Do we believe that we don't need to submit to the spiritual disciplines? John Wesley wrote some wonderful sermons about how to tend the soil of our own lives. He spoke about the disciplines of prayer, of study, of community, of going to church, of praying for each other, of looking after the sick, of sacrificing and serving others. And he said, if you can get all of those things going, you can start to tend the soil of your own heart so that those seeds will take root. So often I find myself looking at others and going, well, will the seeds have any kind of impact in their lives? Maybe it's time that I also look at my own life and start to go, have I started to tend the soil 
of my own life. If I haven't seen growth in my own life, in my own spiritual journey, then maybe it is time that I go back and submit to those disciplines. And so that is what I want us to focus on. There have been so many people in my life that have sown. So many people that have spent time with me and mentored me and prayed for me. There have been people that have left envelopes at the church so that we might help to, so that they might help to finance James's therapy. This is people who are sacrificed and served and loved and sowed seeds in my life. And it's because of them that I have been able to see the power of Jesus. I pray that we will all be sowers of the seed, extravagant, generous, sometimes wasteful. If we had to really entitle this parable, maybe it should be the prodigal sower, the prodigal farmer, who gives undeserved seeds to the places that don't deserve it, and yet somehow growth is found there. There are more parables where Jesus talks about the kingdom and, and there's some lovely ones and says, one day we will go out and sow and we will sow and we will sow and we'll sow. And then one day we will open up the door and we will see all this growth around mm -hmm. us and we won't know where it came from. And I just love that parable because if we sow just one seed, if we sow one seed in as many places as we possibly can, we will start to see a change. And that change is not at 5%, it's not at 10%, and it's not at 20%, it is at 3,000, at 6,000, at 10,000. And that's the economy I want to buy into. Capitalism is broken. Our economy <laughs> does not work. And that's not just the South African economy, that's the world economy. And that's because we've been focusing on the wrong economy. We focus on the economy of the kingdom of God, we have a chance. So, invest. Bring your resources, bring your skills, bring your abilities, bring your passions, bring your strengths, bring your weaknesses, bring your stories, bring all of yourself. And plow it into the kingdom of God. Through sacrifice, through service, through compassion, through love, through giving of what you have. And then we will start to see a change. So to all of you, I pray that that will challenge you. That this wonderful story of an extravagant and generous and wasteful farmer will be a story that challenges us to be exactly the same. Sowing seeds wherever we go as much as we can for the rest of our lives. Amen. God be with you.